All right, good morning, Central Church. I am struggling a little bit with my voice again, so you can say a quiet prayer for me, <clears throat> if you would. Uh, we're going to push through this. We're going to get through it this morning. Uh, God bless you. Great to see you. If you're watching us online this morning, uh, welcome. If you're in our concourse, if you're in the overflow this morning, we are so glad you are here. Um, God bless you. I hope my voice will not be a hindrance to you hearing and receiving the Word of God. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll uh, kind of filter through that this morning. <clears throat> I'm continuing this series in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're focusing on the Lord's Prayer in this season of prayer. Um, when the disciples came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus was very intentional with his response. He, he, he thought through the structure that he wanted to give in this prayer. <clears throat> and when you, when you read the Lord's Prayer, the first half focuses on God. And the second half focuses on us and our needs. And there's, there's a reason for that. Uh, Jesus wanted us to know that our prayer is supposed to begin with a revelation of who God is. Because when you know who God is, that, that affects how you pray and what you pray for. Jesus wanted first and foremost for us to concentrate and think about the character and nature of God. Because when you understand that, it guides your prayer. And, and I said last week, I think in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us five pictures or divine images of who God is in the Lord's Prayer. Last week we said the very first one was that God is a loving Father. God is a loving Father. This week we're gonna talk about the fact that God is a sovereign King. God is a sovereign King. We're just gonna look at uh, verse 10 this morning, but I'll go back to verse nine <clears throat> and just remind you, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he says this in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. It's that simple line that I want to focus on this morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask this morning you would give us revelation as to the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come and your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Help us to understand the meaning of Christ's words. And then, Lord, help us to pray it, to pray it with courage and to pray it with confidence in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Having or, or knowing people in high places can have great benefits. Did you know that? If you know people in high, high places, sometimes there's, <clears throat> there's benefits that come along with that. So a number of years ago, I worked with a lady that was formerly an executive assistant to someone in the Lakers front office. And this guy in the front office had a suite uh, that he could give tickets to. So for my birthday one year, she gave me tickets to the Laker game, and I sat in this guy's suite. That's what I'm talking about when I say, <laughs> when you know people in high places, sometimes there's benefits to that. A few years ago, I married a couple, and the guy owned a car dealer. He said, hey man, if you ever need a car, just come back, <clears throat> more than willing to help with that. And so I did, I went back. And uh, he wasn't able to help me so much with the price, because that was kind of fixed. 
but he threw a lot of stuff into the deal, like lifetime car washes, free oil changes, free tinted windows, all the stuff they could do like right there on site, and a couple other things that were really beneficial. Sometimes knowing people in high places can be a reward. So some of you may not know this, <clears throat> but when I came to interview for this job um, here in Sioux Falls 12 years ago now, um, I came to preach. It was candidate, candidating Sunday, and I was only here two or three days to preach on that Sunday. We didn't have Saturday service, so just Sunday to preach. And then, so I was only here two or three days. <clears throat> Hard for you to believe, but I got a speeding ticket while I was here. <clears throat> Going 42 in a 30 zone. And, and uh, then I had to come back <clears throat> a few weeks later to pay the fine. And so I went to the, to the administration office downtown. And I walk in, and the, the lady that was working the desk said, Oh, Pastor Jeff, how you doing? <laughs> I, I guess she was here when I preached that day, because I didn't know anybody in Sioux Falls. And she says, What are you here for? <laughs> I said, Well, last time I was here, I had a nice conversation with one of your police officers. And uh, <clears throat> he gave me a speeding ticket. She said, Well, let me see it. And so it was two miles, it was 12 miles over the speed limit. And if it's under 10, then you pay less of a fine. She said, would you like me to get this fine lowered? I said, no, 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 don't, don't, <clears throat> don't do me any favors. Uh, I don't want to cheat. She said, no, my husband works in the state's attorney office, and we can go in and, and negotiate. <laughs> I said, I'm all about negotiation. <laughs> so if it means lowering that fine, uh, it would probably be worth a conversation. So she gave it to her husband. He went into the state's attorney, and they negotiated and came back, and it said that I was only going 39 miles an hour instead of 40. That's what I'm talking about when you're talking about <clears throat> knowing people in high places. Um, Jesus wants us to approach prayer with that in mind, in a sense. If you're a Christian, you know someone in the highest place, and there are benefits that come along with that. Uh, Jesus wants us to begin our prayer, not begin, but to pray to a king, to a king that has a kingdom. He, he wants us to recognize the authority of the one that we are praying to. So when Jesus said that to these disciples gathered around him as he, as he taught the Sermon on the Mount, what did this concept of the kingdom of God mean to them? First century Jew. What was their understanding of God's kingdom? What would this mean to them in terms of prayer? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, the Jews had an understanding of God's kingdom. And I, I just want to say three things about, about what the Jews understood. The first thing was that the kingdom of God was God's rule. It was God's rule. The, the Hebrew word for kingdom... Malkuth and the, the Greek word uh, baselia both mean power or authority or the right to rule. Um, that's the primary meaning. The secondary meaning has to do with, with the realm over which you rule and the people or the subjects that you rule. But the primary meaning is you have the power to rule. It's authority. And so we look at scriptures. Again, the Jewish concept, 2 Chronicles. <clears throat> when the kingdom of Rehoboam was established and strong, what does he mean by kingdom? He's not talking there about the people that he ruled. He's not talking about the region that he ruled. 
It's talking about his power to rule. So when the, when the kingdom of Rehoboam, when his, his rulership and power and authority was established and strong, he and all Israel with him abandoned the law of the Lord. At Psalm 145.11, they will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your what? Power. So those words are parallels in that, that Hebrew poetry, kingdom and power. Verse 13, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You what? You rule throughout all generations. So again, we see the concept of, of a kingdom having to do with the power to reign or to rule. Jesus gives a great example of this in Luke chapter 19. It says, now, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on <clears throat> to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself. Now, what do you think that means? Someone was going to another kingdom to get a kingdom, to another country to get a kingdom. Well, they weren't going to that country to get people. They weren't going to that country to get a territory. They were going to get authority. A noble went, went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then to return. So he went there and he got the kingdom. What did he get? He got power. He got authority to rule. Most scholars believe this is a reference that Jesus is, is using to Herod the Great in 40 B.C. Herod went from Palestine to Rome. And while he was in Rome, <clears throat> the, the Roman Senate voted him as the king of Judea. So he went from Judea to Rome and he received a kingdom. What did he receive? The power to rule and the power to reign. So that when he went back, he was the king. He had the power to direct and lead and guide that particular area. Um, we are to approach God not only as one who has power to rule, but as the one who has ultimate power. The Jews understood that God was not just a king. He was the king of kings. He was the Lord of lords. He was the king above everything. So again, we're forming this Jewish mindset of what did kingdom mean to the Jews? So here we go. Well, I thought, we, there we go, okay. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with the psalm. God reigns over the nations. <clears throat> God sits on his holy throne. He's king of all the earth. He reigns over the nations. Next scripture. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. He's the king above every other king and God. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. <clears throat> what did the Jews understand about God's kingdom? Well, it was his rule. It was his power and it was his, his authority. But not only was God just a king, he was the king. He had all authority and he had all power. So what does that mean for us as we approach God? The first thing is this. If you approach God as the king of kings, that means you approach him with the understanding he can do anything. There's nothing God can't do. Jesus is very intentional as he gives us this prayer. Your kingdom come. 
Yours is the kingdom above every other kingdom. So believing that God can do anything. Jeremiah 32, 17. Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, you've made the, the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Do you approach prayer that way? Do you, do you come before the Lord with that understanding that you are praying for, for the, the power and authority and might of God to reign in your life? You're inviting His rulership into your life. <clears throat> the balance to that, believing that God can do anything, is the second line, which says, your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. So you're saying, God, I believe you're able to do anything, but I, I surrender my will to your will. In other words, I trust you. I trust you as the king. I, I come and I say, God, you're able, and, and now I surrender my purpose and my will to your will. <clears throat> so a while back, I had my, um, my annual physical exam and got the, did the blood work, uh, got the blood work back and talked to the doctor, and he said, there's, there's an area here that you are pushing right up in that range, right up to the top. And uh, he said, I, I'm a little concerned about that, so I want you to come back in six months before your, a, a year's gone by, and we're gonna do that blood work again. And I said, are, are we hoping that these numbers go down? And he said, no, these numbers usually don't go down. He said, we, we hope they stay where they are. We hope they don't push through into an abnormal range. I said, okay. So I went away, <clears throat> And I started thinking, well, what should I pray for that? And, and, and I felt like the Lord said, do you believe that I can lower those numbers even though the doctor says they, they normally don't? I said, I do. And so I began to pray that. I, I prayed that God would not only keep those numbers where they were, but they would be reduced. And I didn't go in after six months. I kind of forgot about it. And I went in about nine months <clears throat> after that. Did the blood work, got the results the numbers went significantly down. And the doctor wasn't able to explain that other than to say, that's really good. <laughs> well, duh, why am I paying you all this money? I knew that was really good <clears throat> for that to go down. So you approach prayer saying, your, your kingdom come. God, you can do anything. And I surrender my life into your hands. I trust you with this. Um, so, so not only is God's kingdom his rule, but God's kingdom is his intention. It's his intention. That's the second thing I want to say there. God's kingdom is the world in which God lives. His kingdom is the realm in which he lives. But it's also the world that he intended for us to live in. When God created the heavens and the earth and God created humanity, the world was perfect. That, that was what God intended for humanity. But sin messed everything up. Sin entered and death entered and disease entered and all of those things entered through sin. And so the kingdom that God had created for humanity uh, was now tarnished and corrupted with human sin. So the, the kingdom of God is, is the world in which God lives and the world that he intended for us except that sin messed it up, right? So the Jewish concept of the kingdom of God began in the Old Testament. The prophets began to talk about a day or an age or a, or a time when the Messiah would come back to the earth and begin to rule and actually restore everything that sin had lost. 
So, so, so the prophets start talking about the kingdom of God. They start talking about this time when God, the Messiah, would come and reestablish the kingdom of God on the earth. So we're going to read through several lengthy scriptures that, that, that paint this picture, this prophetic picture of what God was going to do when he established his kingdom through the Messiah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here we go. Uh, then he will judge between the nations <clears throat> and arbitrate for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer take up sword against nation, nor train any more for war. He will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many peoples. Wars will come to an end. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, the, the leopard will lie down with the young goat instead of eating it. And the calf and the young lion <clears throat> and the fattened steer will be together. And a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then the eyes of those, <coughs> excuse me, the, the eyes of those who are blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Those who limp will leap like a deer. The tongue of those who cannot speak will shout for joy. For waters will burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean or the unrighteous will not travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks that way, and fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, <clears throat> nor, nor will any vicious animal go up on it. They will not be found there. <clears throat> for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer <clears throat> will there be in it an infant who only lives a few days or an old person who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100 and the one who does not reach the age of 100 will thought to be accursed. Excuse me. <clears throat> That's the picture that the prophets painted for the coming of the Messiah, when the Messiah would come and establish God's kingdom on the earth. Um, so what the prophet is saying is that when the kingdom of God is established, all of the effects of sin will be removed from this future kingdom. Everything that we live with right now, all of the sin that's affected and, and uh, corrupted God's kingdom, that, that's all going to be removed. So if you're taking notes this morning, let me go over a few of those things with you. The first is this. Violence and turmoil will be replaced with peace. So the language in that section was the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The, the hostility and violence of the animal kingdom now will not be there anymore. Uh, the, the lion will eat uh, straw with the ox. Uh, instead of eating gazelles, the lion, the lion will eat hay. The, the, the child will play by the cobra's den and not get hurt. 
So in, in all of God's kingdom, there's not going to be violence and turmoil and hostility in the animal kingdom or in the human kingdom. There's going to be peace. Second thing, sorrow and joy will be replaced with joy. Can you imagine? Think about everything in your life that brings sorrow, death. Think about everything in your life that brings grief and pain. All of that will be removed and it'll be replaced with joy. So in God's kingdom, we will walk with everlasting joy, not sorrow, not grief, not heartache, not pain, but we'll walk with everlasting joy. Sickness and disease uh, will be replaced with health. No more voices going out uh, ever again. But cancer, tuberculosis, heart failure, heart disease, all of those things will no longer plague humanity. They will be replaced with perfect health in that day when the kingdom of God comes. Wickedness and evil will be replaced with righteousness, righteous and holy living. So no more murder, no more rape, no more violent crimes, nothing of that nature. We will have righteous hearts and we will walk before the Lord in righteousness in His kingdom. Death and the grave will be replaced with eternal life. Um, we don't have to go to funerals anymore. Uh, the verse is about and the child's not going to die after a few days. Uh, the, the youngest is going to live to be a hundred. That, that's not like literal. That's prophetic language to say there's going to be everlasting life. No, no more death. We're not going to experience that anymore in God's kingdom when it comes. And what, what Jesus wants us to know as we think about this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, is that the kingdom of God is not just a future reality. It is a future reality, and it's going to come in its fullness when Christ returns to establish his kingdom on the earth. But Jesus, throughout his life, taught that the kingdom of God was already here in the person of Christ. Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. So he says things like this in Matthew 28 or Matthew 12. If I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, they were accusing him of casting out demons by the, the power of Satan. If I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has what? Has arrived. It's here. Jesus said that over and over. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is in your midst. It came in the person of Jesus. The spiritual kingdom of Christ is already here. Not in its fullness, but it's here in part. Right? So, so what, is, what does it mean to pray your kingdom come, knowing that there's a future kingdom, but there's also a present kingdom. The kingdom of God's already here in part. It means that when you pray that prayer, you are asking God that the age to come, the perfect age to come, all of those things we just read would break into the present. That healing would break into the present. That peace would break into the present. That joy would break into the present. That eternal life would break into the present. That righteousness would break into the present. It's never going to be here perfectly, but we see glimpses of the kingdom just like we did with Jesus. So what did Jesus do? He said the kingdom's here. What did he go around doing? Casting out demons and setting people free. He went around healing every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. He went around raising the dead. He did all that to demonstrate that the kingdom had arrived in part. <clears throat> so when we pray that prayer, we're asking that the age to come, what we know from the Old Testament, that perfect age, would break into the present. So a couple of weeks ago, our offices were getting recarpeted. Uh, it took about a week, and, and so the, the crew was in to do the work uh, for, for a week. And after one of my morning prayer recordings, <clears throat> I was walking through the office to get a cup of coffee. 
And I saw one of the workers. I said, hey, how are you doing today? He goes, not very good. I said, oh, no, what, what's wrong? My back. I threw my back out. And, and, and I said this, and I said this probably four or five times in the conversation. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. He said, yeah, I've had surgery. I've got bars in my back. He said, it feels like, this has gone on for years, it feels like the screws in those bars have pushed through and they're just digging into my flesh. And I said, what did I say? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I feel really bad about that. Oh, man, I, w- I wish it could be different. I'm so sorry. And so I go back to my office. I haven't heard the Lord speak this clearly in a long time. He said, that's the best you can do. Oh, I'm sorry. And it, in my mind, when I'm talking to this guy, I thought, he needs surgery. He's got bars in his back. He's got screws popping. I said, he needs a doctor. Like, you know, I'm not going to pray for him because he needs way more than what I could give him in prayer. And the Lord said, really? He said, you couldn't have at least prayed for him to feel better today? Even if you didn't pray for, you know, the, the screws to miraculously get cut off or something, you couldn't even pray for him to feel better? I mean, I was so convicted. So I went back out there and I found him. I said, hey, hey, what's your name again? And he told me. And I said, can I just pray for you? He goes, oh, that would be great. I said, okay, I just laid my hand on his back. And I, when I pray for people that I, I don't think they're a Christian or if I don't know they're a Christian, I don't use churchy language. So I didn't say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth. I didn't go there. I said, Lord, would you tr- touch Brad's back? W- would you bring your power? Lord, just help him to feel better today. Help, help this pain to go away so he can have a good day and work. That was Wednesday. Friday, my wife, Shirlene, gets a message from someone in our church whose mom goes to a Bible study with this guy's boss. And this boss was sharing at the Bible study, yeah, I've got this worker, this guy. He's had back problems for years. It's like a chronic thing. And he came to me today and he said, hey, some guy, some guy at the church has prayed for me and the pain went away like that. Hey, friends, you never know what's going to happen when you ask God to invade a situation. Uh, you, you never, when you say, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your power come, let the age to come break into the present. You don't know what God wants to do. You don't know who God wants to touch. You don't know the power of the kingdom of God if you don't ask for it. Come on, somebody. Man, you go through your day. God had to, had to kind of, you know, correct me in my office to get out there. Oh, I feel so bad for your pain. I wish you could have a strong back like mine. Like, really? I, I, wish, I wish you were pain-free like me today. That's just nonsense. Man, we are his ambassadors. We are going into the world to pray that the kingdom of God would come in the earth now as it is in heaven. And we're not just to pray that for ourselves. We're to pray that for our oikos. We're to pray that for people in our lives. People that aren't walking with God, God, let your kingdom come. Let them see your glory. Let them see your power. If they're struggling, God, bring peace, bring joy. God, help them to see their need for you. Your kingdom come. You can do anything, God. I, I, bet, I bet if I would have prayed for that guy and said, Lord, just cut the screws off. God could do that. I don't know if I have that much faith, but God could do that, right? How about you? Your kingdom come. Your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And it's not our responsibility to make them feel better. It's our responsibility to pray. And then we say, 
Your will be done in Brad's life. Your will be done. I, I can't control this. So Lord, whatever you want to do, whatever your purpose is, I'm praying your kingdom would come and you'd heal them. It's yours now. You do with it what you want. And the last thing that I want to say is not only God, is God's kingdom his rule and his intention, but it's his promise. There, there is a day coming, friends, when that kingdom is going to be real. All those things we read, peace and joy and health and righteousness and eternal life, that's all coming. The reality is that promise of a coming kingdom, that promise of Christ reigning, that promise of us entering that kingdom is what keeps us hopeful and sane in this life. In a life filled with brokenness, in a life filled with sickness and disease, it's, it's the hope that I'm not going to deal with this forever. It's the hope that the kingdom of God, I'm part of God's kingdom through Christ and I'm going to experience all of these things because of my trust in Christ. Friends, have you made that decision? Man, today you can, you can ask Jesus to forgive your sin and you can enter his kingdom and have hope that when you die, you are going to be in his kingdom forever in that world where there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no sorrow. Amen? It's a promise of God that it's coming. All right, stand with me this morning. Now we're going to do something a little bit different. We, we've been praying in our services together in this season of prayer. Today we're praying for unity. Okay, don't freak out on me. Please don't freak out on me. But, but I'm going to ask you to get in groups of four or five right now. And some of you are going, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe he just asked me to do that. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that, Pastor. Can I just stand by myself? I, I'd, I'd really like you to get in a group. You don't have to pray. Nobody in here has to pray. But, but I bet there's somebody in your group that will feel comfortable praying out loud. So if it's not you, just keep your mouth shut and listen to the other people that are praying, okay? Go ahead and get into groups of four, five, six. Get into little circles here. People you're gonna pray with right now. Someone's gonna pray in that group. Don't be afraid. Rise up, people of courage. Introduce yourself, shake a hand. And we're just gonna take a minute and pray, all right? Okay, here's the very first thing. In your groups, I want you to pray shh, that Central Church would have unity at a staff level, at an elder level, and at a church level. Would you just pray for unity this morning? Go ahead and pray. A couple of you lead out in your groups. sound the sound of the prayers of the saints ascending to heaven wonderful sound okay one more thing we're gonna pray for we're gonna pray that Satan would not have the power to to bring division or strife in our church so just take a minute just pray against Satan and his plans that he won't have success go ahead and pray
Okay, go ahead and wrap that up. Hey, introverts, take a deep breath right now. Intro, you made it. You made it. All of us introverts. That was the scariest moment in our life right there. God bless you. You did it. There's victory in Christ. Amen? All right. Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, come out for our prayer meeting right here in the worship center. Have an outstanding day. God bless you. We'll see you later.